This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Good to have you guys back again today. Good show coming up. Andrew Kramer, a little film review on the Vikings, and it's positive for a change. Looking at key sequence in the third quarter of that 27-20 win over the Chargers, um, where the defense made a couple big plays and the offense took advantage of them. Two, uh, two things that maybe haven't happened nearly enough this season, but happened in a big way to get the Vikings a big win on Sunday. Keith Rashad will join me for my least favorite team is my favorite team, this time in haiku form. He surprised me with, uh, with uh, a recap of the game in four different haikus, the Vikings game, of course. And um, again, some positives to take out of that game as the Vikings improved to four and five. Not so happy news. Randy Johnson joins me on the podcast. Happy news that he's on. Um, love having Randy on. Not so happy uh, results-wise for the Gophers against Iowa this weekend. They lost, of course, 27 to 22. And really, their their opportunity for a a better than just okay season really took a hit in that game. We'll see what they're able to do the rest of this season. So let's get to let's get it going. Lots of good football talk today on Daily Delivery. It's film review time with Andrew Kramer. Covers the Vikings for the Star Tribune. Andrew, plenty to like for I'd say a change, but you know when you when the Vikings have lost more than they've won this year, and there's certainly been their share of negatives um you know it was this was a game where you found a lot to like they beat the chargers 27 20 and i think we want to focus um kind of a key sequence in the game in the third quarter that illustrated both kind of the offense and the defense and how they kind of turned that game around so maybe with that as a bit of a setup kind of walk me through what you saw as they basically turned a 17 13 deficit into a 27 to 17 lead pretty quick yeah, that second half, it, it turned on a dime because if you remember how it started out, the Chargers marched down the field. It was this kind of here we go again. Uh, Vikings are coming out slow in the second half. They're going to blow this uh, 13 to 10 lead in the first half that really felt like it should have been much bigger, uh, if not for all the penalties. I think eight of their penalties were in the first half alone. Um, and so you just get this feeling of like, yep, here we go again, th- three and six on the way for this this season. Um, Chargers score, go up 17-13. Vikings get the ball back, go three and out, do, you know, basically what we've seen them do many, many times. Um, but then it changed on the next drive. And it, to me, it was really about uh, Mike Zimmer and this defensive coaching staff that really put um, their defenders in place to just be untouched and, and, and kind of blitz and get pressure on Herbert um, in ways that you could tell the Chargers were not expecting. And, and that's just a, a kind of tell that they were just outcoached and outschemed, uh, especially when you got Cam Bynum coming through on a third down on that next series in the third quarter where the Chargers are facing third and four. Cam Bynum's playing way off. He's way in the back. Uh, Herbert is kind of pointing to the running back and telling him, hey, look at Kendricks and, and Vigil over here. They're over center. They're doing the A-gap thing uh, that Mike Zimmer likes to do on third down. Well, here Zimmer throws a left hook and has Bynum come and drop it down right at the snap to blitz, gets untouched, gets that sack on third down, forces the Chargers punt, gives the Vikings the ball back. The Vikings end up marching down then to score that touchdown to Conklin uh, at fourth and goal at the one eventually um, to take that 20 to 17 lead. And that was just a huge pivot in that game. And then they come out in the next drive too. the Chargers do after that Vikings touchdown and they face a second and seven immediately. 
And Mike Zimmer blitzes again. Nick Vigil, untouched, comes through a perfect design. I mean, the Vikings had, and Zimmer had the Chargers protection plans just um, off balance the entire time. When the Chargers thought, oh, we got to move it this way, the Vikings were coming the other way. And that was certainly the case with, with Vigil there coming through untouched. And then on the third and seven, right after that, Zimmer blitzes again. And Sheldon Richardson is the one who gets the hit. And so three straight pass plays there for the Chargers, three straight hits on Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert is looking at, at a 17-13 lead, just totally diminished to a 2017, 27, excuse me, 17 lead or deficit it should be for, for, for Herbert by the time he got the ball back in the fourth quarter. So uh, with all that said, it was a huge swing in the game. And it was really just a good showing, I think, from, from a veteran coaching staff and players who clearly were still bought in. I mean, after 98 plays and another tough road loss in Baltimore, um, and this was a really impressive defensive performance. Yeah, I thought so. And it was one of those games where the offense and defense finally seemed to complement each other a little bit where, you know, when the when the defense does get them the ball back there in the third quarter, they are able to go down and take the lead. They stay aggressive. I think if Cousins held the ball for a tenth of a second longer, that pass to Conklin was probably incomplete because he barely got it there as it was, hit as he threw. But it did get there. It did, uh, you know, he did have enough time to, to barely get it there. And then you're right. The next drive, they, they go down and get another, another score there. And then they have the, the confidence, I guess, in both the offense and the defense to run a play on fourth and two at the end and say, we can close the game out right here if we can get two yards. And if we don't, um, we're going to, we're going to put it in the defense's hands to keep them out of the end zone. So it, it felt like those two units have kind of been not at odds, but they haven't supported each other always this year. And, and that was a difference this year to me. Yeah, and then Sunday was a huge difference in just the aggression that the Vikings were showing. You you just mentioned it there with going for it on fourth down, going for it fourth and one at the goal line, fourth and two at the end of the game. Um, Mike Zimmer said after the game, we talked to him at SoFi Stadium in, in L.A., and he had mentioned um, we just wanted to win. He was asked about, like, when you got the ball back with four minutes left, what were you thinking in terms of your approach? You know, the, the four-minute offense, which typically is is an offense that's um, trying to pick things up a little bit. Like, let's let's speed it up. Let's get down the field and score. And Mike Zimmer was saying, no, I wanted to bleed the clock. I wanted to end the ball or end the game with the ball in our hands. And if we score, we score. But if not, you know, hopefully we can just hold on and not do this thing where, where we try to take some shots and end up punting and go three and out. And so that kind of approach, I think, was a, a big mentality pivot. Justin Jefferson called it uh, a, a big uh, adjustment in practice to focus on getting the, the ball to our playmakers, which... <laughs> seems like in week 10, an indictment on where this offensive coaching staff was at and where they kind of fell into in the middle of this season, because it wasn't an issue to start the year. We, they were did so well, in, in my opinion, in Cincinnati until that cook fumble and after all the fall starts. And then obviously in Arizona, they did very well too. And it just has, had fallen apart and they kind of gotten into a rut. And I think this game is, if they can use it as a springboard to kind of get them back in, into rhythm of, hey, get Justin Jefferson the ball. It's okay if you end up throwing an interception. We, we could live with that. Pardon me, Andrew, but how do you lose sight of that? Uh, it seems like that should be kind of an obvious thing to get your ball, get the ball to your best players. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what I said. It's an indictment. It's an indictment on a 34-year-old offensive coordinator who clearly was getting lost in some of the things that, that he was trying to do. And, and this is really just simplifying it. They may need to complicate some of the ways that they get them the ball in terms of getting them open, but... Um, it's just simplifying it. It's we don't need to scheme a, a trick play to CJ Ham uh, or something like that or Tyler Conklin. And another part of it too is is Kirk married that aggressiveness. Like he he met that aggressiveness, the level that Zimmer wanted, he met it. 
And I think that's a big part of this is that Mike Zimmer's often coached this team of don't turn the ball over, control the clock, all the things we've talked about. And that can be a hindrance on a quarterback who wants to check it down when that read to Justin doesn't really look open down there. Maybe he get it, maybe not. And, and on Sunday, he said, you know what, I'm just going to throw it. And it worked out. And I think they can, you know, maybe keep doing that. I think it's something they, they might have learned about themselves. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Felt like, uh, like I said, complimentary football. Jefferson had nine catches, 11 targets. I mean, way over his output from the previous two games combined. And one of those games um, featured a, a long touchdown grab for him. So in, aside from that long touchdown he caught to start, um, the, the loss against the Ravens. He hadn't done much at all the last two weeks. No, he hadn't. And that's, that's part of the issue. Adam Thielen either. He had the two catches last week in Baltimore and then combined they had the five grabs and you just can't have that. You can't have that when you have one of the more prolific um, duos of wide receivers in the NFL and Kirk, it can play like this. It's just a matter of keeping him comfortable and doing it, scheming easy throws early in the games to get him into a rhythm and keeping him into that rhythm. And I think a big part of it was this offensive line did a pretty decent job against the Chargers pass rush with Joey Bosa um, and, and some of the, the blitz schemes that they come up with in L.A. because they do get to be a little blitz happy. Um, that, that worked really well with the offensive line, picking it up. And that wasn't the case in Baltimore. And so I think that's also a, a big difference from Sunday. So you saw more of that good offensive line as opposed to the bad offensive line that we have seen throughout stretches of this season. So last thing, how, how did Zimmer, do you think, kind of confuse – um, you know, confuse protections and kind of get get those guys to to be free runners essentially in in those situations. Yeah, it, it goes to show that these guys are well prepared going into the game because you've got a rookie safety in Cam Bynum who was a, a corner at Cal not that long ago. He is making a transition to a different position that requires a lot of communication and, and a lot of study to know what he needs to do. And you can get him to sell a blitz like he did, where he in that third and seven or third and four would have been he's standing back there in two deep and he's waiting and you can see him wait until Herbert signals to a running back where to go in terms of where to angle the pass protection block. And then that's kind of when he starts showing, like I'm going to start creeping up to the line. And so he's timing that and for a rookie. That's, that's pretty, I don't know, I guess advanced. I would, I would say, cause you just don't see that too often from young players. And so I think that's good timing. It's good coaching. Um, and really, Zimmer's just always been, Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, said going into that game, he called Mike Zimmer one of the greatest third down architects in, in the history of football. And so when it's a known pass, there are fewer coaches who are better than Mike Zimmer. And it's funny that Mike Zimmer went ahead and proved him right on Sunday. Good stuff, Andrew. Next week carries a great amount of weight. We'll see if the Vikings can even their record at 500 at home against the Packers. Certainly won't be easy. A team that looked Awfully good on defense on Sunday, even if the uh, the offense took a little while to get going against Seattle. So that one will be fun to see as well. Andrew, we'll talk to you next week, all right? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Interesting. You heard uh, Andrew talking a little bit about Cameron Bynum, who made um, another big play in this game, second, uh, second straight game. He's had a splash play, had that sack in the third quarter that got the Vikings off the field. Uh, subbing for Harrison Smith, Cameron Bynum's had two very good games. Pro Football Focus for weeks nine and ten, the two weeks that Cameron Bynum played in place of Harrison Smith, has him graded as the third best safety in the NFL for those two weeks. So we'll see if he's able to uh, to stay on the field. For that fourth round draft pick rookie uh, getting in and getting us uh, some some good action for the Vikings so far. 
Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. My least favorite team is my favorite team. It's that time again. Keith Rashad joins me as usual. Um, for once, the Vikings are your favorite team. Probably the second time all year that you've probably walked away from a Vikings game completely satisfied. Um, even then two of their other wins, I think there was more a sense of relief and maybe even anger, um, even when they beat Carolina and Detroit. But I think that one's up there with the Seattle game as perhaps their most Complete games of the year. And Keith, I can only conclude based on the way they played that game that Mike Zimmer is an avid listener of this segment because we've been begging all year for him to trust the offense. And in that game, it felt like they trusted the offense for a change. They got the the fourth quarter drives. They went for it on fourth down at the very end, got the got the yards they needed to not have to give the ball over to San Diego, the Chargers. Not, I'm not even saying San Diego, by the way. I, I, I'm never going to get over the fact that they're not the San Diego Chargers anymore. Chargers don't get the ball back, don't have to lean on the defense. They can just run out the clock. So I'm sure Mike Zimmer must be listening to this every week. That's my only conclusion. How long have we known each other? Oh, so, uh, so we established in the first segment that it was seventh grade, and I talked about the uh, Timberwolves um, going That's to the it. Eastern Conference. So it's uh, I'm 45 now. So 33 years, I'm going to say. Okay, close to close to 35 years, right? Yes. And all of which means that, uh, particularly with my current station in life, you you could claim to know me better than anybody else knows me. You've known me for 35 years, right? And I don't know how you describe me to other people, but I if I had not. to, I try not to. I understand. I understand totally. But I've, if I were to to imagine how you describe me to other people. I would imagine that the first words that come out of your mouth is he has the soul of a poet, right? Those are definitely the first words that come out of your mouth. And so I've had a tough time lately trying to figure out how to express myself uh, on this segment and about the Vikings. Okay. Consequently, I have turned to poetry. I think okay. that is the only way. And it this speaks is, to, this is a surprise. This is, it speaks to exactly what you were talking about, right? Because, uh, I want to I want to debut what I think should be a new segment on on our segment which is Vikings poetry. Please tell me it's a haiku. I have four haikus for you. It's not just a haiku it's four. I knew it would be a haiku cuz that's your preferred form of artistic poetic expression but uh, go well, on. And for, go on. And for those listeners that don't know a haiku is a a three-line poem the first and third lines have five syllables and the second line has seven syllables and it's intended to capture a moment or idea or just this spark of, of inspiration or, or awareness within the world. Yes. And so my first haiku very much speaks to exactly what you're saying. And we can talk more about it uh, then, right? So, <clears throat> all right, haiku number one. Justin Jefferson, Zimmer finally discovered he's on the roster. Oh, tough but fair. I gave it an eight out of 10. I think, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to grade, I'm going to give immediate snap grades to your haiku, just like we were doing the draft or something like that. I think that makes perfect sense, but yep. it speaks exactly to what you were talking You're about. Right. 
that finally it seems like there was enough faith, enough trust in the offense to, to let the best players on the team do what it is that, that they do best. Right. And that's the best side of the ball. And they finally did what needed to be done. So I think your ultimate conclusion that, that Zimmer is listening to the podcast makes perfect sense. hundred percent. Okay. I want to hear haiku too. Okay. Haiku number two. All right. Chargers uniforms. I support them in theory, but they look dirty. Dirty? How? In what way? I don't know. There's something about that shade of yellow, with like that sexual? shade of blue. No, no, oh, not at all. Like dirty, like all. like they have dirt on them. As if they're dusty, okay. right? They look somehow like they're perpetually dusty. And I appreciate a different uniform. I appreciate a uniform that's just not red and white and blue and some black in there somehow. And, and so in theory, I, I really enjoy those uniforms, but every time I see them on TV, it just looks like the, the whole team is coated in some layer of dust. Maybe it's the outdated offensive philosophies they're running that you're seeing. <laughs> it could be the dusty philosophies that uh, I give that one a 7.3. Uh, 7.3. I might have to go back and regrade that one after two years though, to see how it really panned out. Just like the draft. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Let me give you number three here. Yep. All right. <clears throat> Low, Aaron Kendricks. Your game is so much tighter than is your helmet. <laughs> okay, I like it. Did you say Aaron Hendricks or Eric Hendricks? Uh, whatever I said. You, okay. you know who I'm talking about. I, I do. Um, okay, so I'm grading on a curve. This is poetry gonna... from the soul. It's man. from the soul. It's, don't, it's, don't, okay. don't get wrapped up in the details here. Okay. I don't want to get the emailer after you making sure you're sticking to the facts. Um, right. um, I, in, in substance, I give that one like an 8.7, but I'm going to knock off half a point because I wasn't sure if you had the right first name. So I'm going to go 8.2. But he was amazing. He was right? great. That interception was awesome. He had a sack. I mean, he's, it was a reminder of just what an impact player he is. And I will, I will say I was incredibly surprised. I, the, I did not expect, what did they have, 14 players missing on defense? This week, it seemed like it. And they, they're playing a right. lot of different guys, playing a lot of young guys. Um, I, I'm not surprised they played hard again. It felt like they had one more. If, if they, you know, if they would have lost this one, I would have wondered what the the energy and intensity might have been for that Packers game. But it did feel like they had one more big effort in them. And now that they won this one. I feel like they've got another one in them for next week against Green Bay. But I am surprised at how well they played. Absolutely. And they managed to get pressure. And, and the thing that I noticed, I don't know if you noticed this as, as well too, but they seemed to actually blitz on occasion. They didn't just rely on the front four to create the pressure that they need to have success because the rest of the team can't hold up without it. And so they finally seemed to do some things like throwing some extra bodies in there to try to create a little bit of extra chaos to have the sacks and, and thus Eric Hendrick, Aaron Hendricks or whoever his name is. Eric, I can't remember. Eric Hendricks, <laughs> Eric, Eric Hendricks. Hendricks. <laughs> Man, Brent is really going to be <laughs> did, all over me. Did you mess one. up the first and the last name? <laughs> Soul of a poet, man. You call him Aaron Hendricks. You did. You did. Didn't you? That's okay. So I know uh, who speak, you meant. There's nobody else on the team. Speaking of Jimmy Hendricks, speaking <laughs> of Jimmy Hendricks, speaking of, <laughs> Speaking of Stevie Nicks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, the fact that he was the one of, one of the ones that had that big sack, right. Speaks yes. to the, the 
Zimmer's necessity of having to do something different and be a little bit more creative and throwing some different folks to create the pressure again, that they need to have any sort of success. And so that it was nice to see at least one week's worth of, of change and, and transition and willingness to, to do something different and actually relying on the offense a little bit as well too. Yeah. And one thing I mentioned too, I think, Along that line, I think another sack of theirs was by Cam Bynum, the safety that was replacing Harrison Smith, who was out with COVID for that second straight week. Um, Bynum was actually on the podcast a few months ago, right after he got drafted. Really nice guy, good good guy, and it was a, kind of fun to watch him play after kind of getting to know him a little bit better on the podcast. And he's had two pretty good games, maybe something to uh, to watch for going forward as they kind of think about you know, his role. I mean, he's not going to replace Harrison Smith, obviously, but um, you know, on a permanent basis, but is there a bigger role for him going forward too? Do you, do you attribute his success to being on your podcast? I'm just happy that uh, somebody who came on this podcast didn't immediately get cursed. Well, that's true. Most of them got something like severe leg injuries or were yeah, out for six or to eight COVID months or, or whatever it is. It's, it's yeah. been a, it's, it, it's, I mean, I don't want to scare people off from coming on this show, but there's been a few instances where, things haven't gone perfectly right after coming on this show. So that's all. What's the fourth haiku? Fourth haiku. What, what does that mean for me? I wonder. You've been on the show. You've been, you've, you've got, you've picked up immunity. No, you've got immunity. <laughs> it's qualified immunity. Try to diplomatic immunity. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You can't, go to Pol- you can't go to Poland though. Well, that's so true. And not that I would want to, but whatever. Yeah. You know, fourth and mean. final, fourth and final haiku. The LA chargers. We're primed to lose to the Vikes, but what about Green Bay? And so okay. the, the whole sort of premise behind that one is just simply, it seemed like the, everything that the Chargers do well and then don't do well as a philosophy played right into the Vikings' hands, right? That they're not really great. They're not really all that concerned, apparently, with stopping the run, and the Vikings were able to do that, right? That that they were able to Vikings were able to create enough pressure that there seemed to be an undercurrent that even though the chargers were favored in the game, a lot of people seemed to be picking the Vikings to win. And so it was one of those moments where there was opportunity to shine. And and like you said earlier, maybe this is the, that one last gasp for the team uh, in terms of being willing to, to still fight for Zimmer and, and what have you. And so we'll see what happens with the future, right? And that haiku is more about a question, a sense of what the future holds. So is there any room or possibility for success for them next week? I think there is, although, you know, Green Bay's defense looks a lot better than I imagined it would. I mean, they shut out Seattle, Russell Wilson, probably pretty rusty coming back from his injury, but uh, they're, they're looking like a team that's pretty formidable but you know it's at it's at us bank stadium we we certainly know you know if if you want to buy into the cliches of cliches of who needs it more who wants it more certainly that falls into the vikings territory but you know zimmer's done zimmer teams have done a pretty good job over the years against aaron Rodgers. even you know even in you know prime prime rogers and some of his better years they've done a pretty good job containing him so i give them rogers absolutely sick with covid I even better. No, I'm, I'm glad he recovered in his back, but, um, you know, he, he, uh, you know, I think I give him a chance in that game at the very least, if they play 
if they play like they did on Sunday and they play a complete game and, and stay aggressive, I think they, they certainly have a, I think Green Bay is a good team, but you know, they've, they've won a lot of close games this year. I don't think this is one of those where you just say, ah, they've got no chance. But is this the setup for them? The huge letdown. If, if, if 44, not, that's not how many years I've viewed them, but if, if, if our lifetimes are any indication, yes, but, uh, but we'll see, by the way, can you, um, I, th- I think I know my grade for that, but can you read your last line of that last haiku for me? I accidentally threw in an extra word. You did. It was just, uh, the last line is supposed to be what about green Bay? Okay. Cause I was docking you points. I had you for six syllables. Thank you for correcting that. Um, I like that you end on a question that you kind of leave the, the listener wanting more, maybe your best one. Yeah. I'll give it an 8.6. Um, oh, I don't know what I- Aaron I don't know what Aaron Hendricks thinks of it, but uh, Eric Hendricks liked it. I don't know what Jimmy Hendricks thinks about it either. No, but uh, well, I think that's a, that was a nice tidy way to talk about the show. We'll see if you have four more haikus next week. We'll see. I I think you can do it. I I think I probably could, but uh, I have no social media accounts. Let me encourage the listeners to send all their haikus to you though. Thank you. Another poetry. Yes. Have to admit, I kind of like the haikus. Um, we'll see if they stick around. And by the way, five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. That adds up to 17. That's the number of games in the NFL. Coincidence? I think not. Joined now by Randy Johnson, covers the Gopher football team for the Star Tribune, was in Iowa City on Saturday to witness a uh, a game that you accurately described, Randy, as one in which the Gophers probably played about how they wanted to play, had the ball for over 40 minutes, had a yard advantage, had a you know, won the turnover battle, and yet still couldn't find a way to beat Iowa. They lose 27-22 and all but dashing their hopes of a Big Ten West championship, barring some sort of weird happenstance in the last couple weeks. What the... Uh, Give me your uh, give me your big picture takeaways from uh, from that game and, uh, you know, and the inability to kind of get over the hump in some of these rivalry games. Yeah, that's that's the thing. They just they probably played as well as as they have against Iowa under uh, coach P.J. Fleck. Uh, basically, they were right there. Um, couldn't quite uh, uh, three times they're inside. I was 15 and have to settle for field goals. That, that, was, that was pretty tough there. That's that's where. They left a lot of points on the board that they they, they could have had. Uh, they had a couple third down situations in the second half that uh, uh, they didn't didn't get the first down and, and put them in a tough position. One was pretty pivotal. They had a third and seven. Uh, um, Chris Upman Bell, it would have been a tough catch to come down with and throw a little bit a little bit high. Um, he gets that one. Um, you know they keep the drive going instead. Next play uh, after the punt, Iowa gets the seventy two yard. Uh, uh, touchdown when uh, uh, Justin Wally, Gophers cornerback, um, gets beat on an out and up by Charlie Johnson, and that put Iowa ahead for good. So it, uh, yeah, they're you know basically up Gophers up 13-10 at halftime. It was looking you know decent, decent chance to win. You know, you win the second half, you got a got a shot at winning the game. Um, but yeah, they just you know a couple Iowa ended up having a couple you know explosive plays in the second half that did pretty much swung the deal. You could imagine going into that game that you was probably going to be you, the the sentiment was that it would be fairly low scoring. I mean, 
27-22 isn't super low scoring, but you know, points were going to be at a premium. So I get in that regard the, you know, hey, let, let's get three when we can. That said, those are momentum plays. And like you said, those are also plays where you get to the end of the game and when you're not putting up sevens, you're getting threes. You, you might look back on it and say, ah, did we do everything we could in, in those situations? But I didn't get the sense that P.J. Fleck was second-guessing himself as much as some of us might might have been second guessing that. No, he wasn't. You know, he he he. His argument was, yeah, we needed to get whatever points we could get there. He, he was playing it safe. Yeah, he wanted to get he wanted to get at least three all those times. Um, you wonder about the first one, uh, fourth uh, fourth and goal from the two. Maybe they go for it there. It's early enough in the game that it, maybe it doesn't uh, hurt you immensely if you if you get it going well. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's one area where I, I kind of wondered if, if, uh, that would have been one to go for. Absolutely. Well, it, it leaves them, you know, in a spot where, you know, they, they, they play Indiana next week. Indiana just got hammered by Rutgers. Right. And so Indiana's yep, 38 in, to three, I believe it was Indiana for whatever, at home even. yeah, for, for whatever we thought of Indiana at the beginning of the year, that has not played out. So you would think that that, you know, should be an opportunity to get, the seventh win, the the fifth win in the Big Ten, but then they've got Wisconsin to finish the year, and you know Wisconsin probably in that game has a good chance to, you know, we we danced on their grave probably a little bit too soon. They're they're back, and they uh they've they've got a chance to to win the to still win the West pretty well. Yeah, they they, they those three losses earlier in the season, and one of them was out of conference, so it didn't. Uh, the one in Notre Dame, it didn't hurt them at all in the Big Ten. It's just yeah, they they weren't looking. Real good. Now they've got their offense going a bit now. So it's in their defense is very good. So I got the sentiment was, you know, for a while, and you and I have talked about this, Chip Scoggins and I have talked about this, that if, you know, that the West was wide open. And I think that that played out this year and the Gophers had all this experience at some key spots. And obviously, you know, injuries at running back contributed to this season, um, not having Ottman Bell for all of the games certainly hurt the offense too. But, you know, by and large, they've been, they've had decent health at other spots. You know, where they sit right now, is this about where they deserve to be? Or do we, do we think of this as, you know, still season left to play, but a missed opportunity, I guess, uh, a, a real missed opportunity to, to do something more with this year? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, the Iowa game is obviously one of those. That, that was a winnable game. They just didn't quite do it. Uh, that's, you know, you're looking for something to hang their hat on right now. What's their signature win? Uh, Purdue, um, you know, that's, that's a nice win and everything. I shut out the boilers in the second half, but uh, you know, that's not going to be one, one you're going to remember long-term, you know, they still have a chance here. They have Wisconsin. If they can um, salvage that one, then, then the season doesn't look as disappointing. Uh, but right now at, at six and four, you, yeah, I pretty much any fan would have thought, they would be better than this, better record than this right now. So what has to happen? I mean, if, if you know, they they haven't beaten Iowa under PJ Fleck. They beat Wisconsin that one time so far a, a few years ago. Was that 2018? I believe that they beat Wisconsin. Yeah, 2018. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, yeah, I mean, that that one was. I mean, that's that's been his one of his uh, bigger wins here. I mean, they pretty much dominated that game. Is it just a matter of they're not on the level of those programs yet, or or do we? Is it coming up short in big games is it all is it all sorts of factors you think in in those moments because that that piece of it or as as much as pj flex done here and you know the 11 and 2 season 2 years ago with 
the two losses, of course, being to Iowa and Wisconsin, um, that piece of it has to be frustrating. I'm sure it is for, for, for the coaching staff and the players. Yeah. They've, they've done a lot of, you know, good things. It's just, yeah, those, those rivalry games have, have been, uh, they haven't been able to get over, over the hump often enough, and, you know, own five against Iowa, one and four, uh, or one and three so far against Wisconsin. Uh, it's, you know, that that's to pass those teams. You have to beat those teams. Now that like we said, Indiana, not, uh, not in a good place right now, an opportunity to, to get well to a certain degree. I mean, if they play like they did this past week, Indiana probably shouldn't be a problem, but is, is the way they played this past week good enough to beat Wisconsin or would they have to do more still show they can throw a little bit more? I know they got the, the deep one late that, that pulled them close, but you know, some, some missed opportunities in the past game against Iowa that kind of make me think they still can't do it when they need to. Yeah, that's that's a situation where they they don't want to get in the game with in the twenties. I would say because I don't, I, they don't want Wisconsin to get to the twenties because Wisconsin isn't giving up much right now. Their 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 defense probably a little bit better than Iowa's, and um, you know, so and Iowa's was pretty good. The Gophers got to twenty two. Uh, you know, I think that's a game where you need your defense to to really hold Wisconsin down. It's it's not the best Wisconsin offense we've seen over the years, but they're getting good run run play right now. And uh, quarterback Mertz has, has been more efficient of late, uh, so they're they're kind of hitting their stride. Yeah, yeah, the Gophers, you know, their margin for error isn't on offense isn't isn't uh, much. I mean, they they've you know they'd love to just be able to run the ball, but I'm not sure they'll be able to do that against Wisconsin. Well, we'll see, Randy. Good stuff. Good coverage from Iowa. Go read that. StarTribune, StarTribune.com. Read everything that we've got leading up to Indiana and Wisconsin, and uh, we'll catch you again next week, all right? Sounds good, Mike. Thanks. Just a postscript to Randy and I having our discussion. Tanner Morgan will remain the Gophers starting quarterback, uh, Randy reporting and P.J. Flex saying on Monday, so don't look for necessarily a change in leadership there from the uh, from the senior quarterback and with just two Regular season games left. I imagine that is his job for the rest of his career, but we will see. He's been, you know, up and down, um, probably more down than the Gophers would like, completing only 57.7% of his passes, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions this year. Had some nice plays against Iowa, also missed some throws. So, um, you know, whatever the alternative would be, I'm curious to see, uh, quite honestly, but I don't think we're going to see that this year. Let's finish quick with the cooler. Pete Carroll, Seahawks coach, was every Vikings fan everywhere complaining about officiating in their loss to the Packers the other day. He was on a radio show complaining about this, that, the other thing. I kind of loved it. It was uh, it was refreshing to see someone else complain about all the calls that have gone against them uh, in terms of the uh, in terms of the Packers getting the benefit of the doubt. That'll do it for today. Good stuff coming up the rest of the week. I think Sarah McClellan will be on later this week to talk wild hockey. I think Adrian Heath might be on, United coach, to advance the uh, playoff game that Minnesota United has coming up on Sunday, and uh, plenty of other good stuff as well. Thanks for joining me here today on Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. We'll catch you again on Wednesday.